Hello, everyone. I'm Ron, and this is Ron's Gadget Talk for Tuesday, 9th of February, 2021. Uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about. Obviously, unusually enough, we've got uh, tons of devices to talk about. A lot's happening, obviously. So let's just get straight into it. Uh, Xiaomi just unveiled a uh, basically did its global launch of the Mi 11 phones, their flagship phones that they showed off in China well over a month ago, uh, back at the end of December. Uh, that was interesting, and now they have a now now they've offered a global variant of the Mi 11, and it looks really cool. Obviously, it's got that sleek design that uh, we've seen in the Chinese version. Now there's some few bits and bobs that they kind of switched out. The global variant of the Mi 11 uh, doesn't uh, essentially be limited to eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage, or uh, 256 gigabytes of storage. Um, and more interesting than that, uh, you folks will get a 55 watt, uh, gallium nitrate charger in the box, which is interesting. It's the Chinese one, uh, uh the Chi Chinese use, obviously in the Chinese variant of the Mi 11, you get the charger separately. You can actually order, or get that in your order instead of a, instead of having no charger in the box. That's kind of interesting. So that was something to point out. But really, if you think about it, now the Mi 11 is available worldwide, essentially, in various regions. Now, if you think about it, this is an incredible flagship from Xiaomi. Uh, as I said, aside from those, aside from uh, one less storage option, um, quite literally, uh, aside from one less storage option, what you get here is impressive, uh, impress, a pretty impressive flagship phone, also for the price. Now, just to kind of recap, in case you forgot, the Mi 11 feature has uh, low and mid-band 5G out of the gate and full 4G support without a problem. All flavors up till mid-band 5G. Uh, weighs 196 grams. Obviously, it'll be in glass first because, you know, glass back phones are really good. I think leather, uh, the leather back variant of the Mi 11 is not for global, it's not going to be available outside of China, I believe. It doesn't, it doesn't mention it here. Um from the looks of it, and there's no information about that, but oh well. Uh, but outside of that, really, you have a 6.81 6, 6, 6 inch, um, 1440 uh, by 3200 uh, resolution display, able to do HDR10+, 1500 nits, 120 hertz, Snapdragon 888, uh, what else? You get a 108 megapixel wide camera, f1.9 aperture, a 26 millimeter sensor size, one by 1.33 inch uh, size overall with 0.8 micrometer sensor size, uh, pixel size. Uh, and you get uh, autofocus optical OIS out of the gate, along with 13 megapixel f2.4, 123 degree uh, ultrawide sensor. Um, pretty impressive for what it is. And a five megapixel, that's as big, five megapixel f2.4 macro, one by five inch sensor, which is interesting. Uh, and all this with, dual, with dual, dual LED flash. And again, the Mi 11 really, they've called it a cinema phone, a movie phone, which is interesting. It, it's kind of, it, it actually reminds me of this like old American product. It got, it got, it got discontinued. It's this cool invention. Hang on, if I could Google this, uh, movie phone, I mean. It's like, it's still a thing. It's like, it has cinema listings, but it's like, a, it's like a number you used to dial if you lived in America and you essentially, 
able to get like information about uh, movies running in the cinema or you can like book tickets or something like that it is crazy uh, and then it became like a website and um, if you've watched Seinfeld there's like this one episode where essentially uh, Kramer essentially uh, you know uh, sounds like the guy from movie phone and it's very funny I watched that exact episode it was very funny and you can google it if you know what I mean um, uh, so, they were, so what they meant by a movie phone are more realistically a cinema movie, uh, a cinema phone. Oh well, what they meant by a movie phone is really the fact that the Mi Eleven has Snapdragon Triple Eight has got an impressive uh, six point. It has this impressive uh, quad, almost quad HD display, uh, along with uh, with cameras where you could record video at up to eight K thirty frames per second. Truly cinematic in that regard. But on top of that, you get Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth 5.2, USB-C out of the gate, 4600 milliamp hour battery, 55 watt fast charging, 100 watt, uh, sorry, 50 watt wi- fast wireless charging, neck and neck almost, wired and wireless, almost similar. So basically, if you wirelessly charge via Qi charging, you can top the phone up from 0 to 153 minutes, less than an hour, or within 45 minutes. So that's roughly within a th- three-fourths of an hour with under and under an hour you get a full charge out of the gate and you get Qualcomm quick charge 4 plus it has a Snapdragon triple eight so you get all the juicy goodness that is Snapdragon's processors and all this for starting $750 US uh, now Xiaomi's phones are overwhelmingly sold in Europe so this so the 120 the base tier of the Mi 11 will start from 749 euros and double the storage you're able to pay you can pay you can spend 50 euros extra that's going to be about 800 euros that's a really good value for money it is a little bit more than obviously for the china uh, than the chinese variant obviously prices in china are obviously different given economy and income sizes you know uh, but in europe this still looks like an incredibly good deal in front of the s21 and the iphone 12. in fact it probably is is being a flagship this is good value for money in my own opinion and i'm not really fudging it this is good value i probably again if i'd had 800 dollars to spend i'd probably get this um so it's pretty interesting to say the least now if you're planning to buy or order get this phone and you definitely would want to given what is happening here uh, what's up with these phones i mean it's incredibly impressive uh, I mean every little bit of it uh, you can pre-order the phone from February 26th and you'll be able to get it next month in stores uh, in a store uh, at a store near you really if you think about it and there's a me store almost in every corner of the world now and obviously in Europe show me is almost everywhere and speaking of which uh, they have showed off the Mi 11 and then they showed this interesting 4k TV called the Mi TV Q1 which is a 75 inch uh, 120 uh, 75 inch QLED display I'm kind of hoping it's not a TCL panel slapped in and then they called it a Mi TV. Oh, well, oh, well, I, I digress. Um, so the Mi, the Mi TV Q1 essentially is their, sort of one of the first QLED panels that Xiaomi is offering globally, outside of China, of course. Uh, it is 75 inches, QLED display tech, 120 hertz refresh rate, HDR10, uh, HDR plus, doesn't say 10, HDR plus. Maybe that's an error. Yeah, HDR10+, ten, uh, 10 and Dolby Vision at the gate. Uh, 10 million to one, uh, no, 10,000 to one contrast ratio. Uh, obviously it's in 4K, not bad. It, not not too shabby if you ask me. Um, and you get a pair of 30 watt speakers, I believe. Though, I mean, it doesn't say pair, but I'm just saying that because TVs, again, you gotta do stereo sound. And the TV's design is quite luxurious, to say the least. 
It's not like a, another Me TV that they have. It's really nice. It has this kind of brushed, kind of this metallic finish that's really good. Um, so quite a good premium TV if you're looking to buy it, get that. I mean, if you're looking to get one, um, you know. So, oh yeah, and the 10,000 to 1 contrast ratio, that's with local dimming, which is interesting. Uh, so the Mi TV Q1 uh, will be available in Europe next month, starting from 1,300 euros. But obviously, if you if you if you if you hurry up, you can get it for about a thousand euros, which is a big big deal. So if you live in France, Germany, Italy, Poland, and Spain, you're able to get this straight away next month, which is impressive, really. I mean, um, the fact they're able to bring a TV from China and it costs under 1,500 euros is really interesting to say the least um from the looks of it i mean uh, so um yeah so 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 for the european market and obviously for the global market as a result they have the new me 11 and the, obviously the me tv q1s which are really good um but aside from that uh it's let's just switch let's just switch gears to redmi because a lot is going on in the world of redmi uh we've got more details about their phones uh, the Redmi Note 10, okay, this is the weirdest thing. The Redmi Note 9 has been out for so many months. Almost For most of the year, we've had the Redmi Note 9. There's so many flavors of the Redmi Note 9. I've kind of lost count of which one is worth getting. But, interestingly, uh, a Redmi Note 10 series is going to be coming out. Uh, and... Um, and we and there's been information coming in from since last month. Surprisingly, I just I don't know how this got past my radar because I definitely would want to check out, uh, d definitely check this device out. Um, you know, I mean, I might want I might want to get one because the Redmi Note 10 is interesting, and uh, if it is a little better than the Note 9, it's got nicer processors or cameras, uh, or at least a bigger battery and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so I definitely want to. Uh, this could be our next phone, but yeah, uh, Xiaomi's Indian boss or head of Xiaomi's in Indian division, Manu Kumar Jain, tweeted. Uh, I think tweeted today really, and he created this uh, typical marketing. It got the moves to be as smooth as the smoothest Redmi uh, smartphone yet. The biggest notification of the year is almost here. Unlock it with me now. Now, the first sentence declares something. The Redmi Note 10 could possibly have a 90 hertz display straight off the bat or, or 90 hertz display, which could be a thing. I'm definitely psyched, frankly. Uh, this is exciting. 90 hertz along with um, possibly fast charging. Like, uh, oh, and this is getting interesting. <laughs> so uh, more than all that, um, now it's kind of um, now... They, now they've now now they've uh, shown me has announced that they're gonna unveil the phone tomorrow, February tenth, about so at ten a.m. ten past ten a.m. Indian time. So, uh, so if I do the math right here, uh, I'm in Pakistan, so we're just half an hour away from there. So if we do zero zero dot three zero, uh, eh, that's weird. Uh, 10 a.m. IST 2p. I mean, let's just, I'm doing it in real time. About 9.40 Pakistan time. So 9 a.m. tomorrow, we'll get to find out about the uh, Redmi Note 10, which I think is fun. Now, I'm, I was, again, I'm sitting, now I'm just reading this for the first time, like, 
I mean, I hadn't heard much about the Red Me until time, weirdly enough. Not much, not many news has come out. Um, you know, so this is interesting. Now, you'll be thinking, why are they releasing a new Redmi Note 10? Like, they have a lot of Redmi Note 9s, and then the 9T came out and all that. That, that was lovely. Uh, apparently, this is this is to essentially take on Realme. Oh, boy. The Redmi-Realme battles. They won't stop. The Realme is obviously taking out some of the market market share from Redmi, potentially. And people can't wait for a... For a... Uh, for a Redmi... Uh, for a... Redmi, possibly. Realme obviously has tons of new devices com- soon to come out. You know, they have the Race series coming out, so they're probably planning to beat them to the max by having the Redmi Note 10. Um, now, there's again, as I said, there's not much information about what the Redmi Note 10 series could possibly have uh, and what phone's based on. It, it's weird, weird, weird to see that. But um, interestingly, as I said, it could possibly come, uh, the Redmi Note 10 and Note 10 Pro could come with a 90Hz display and possibly uh, decent fast charging. Uh, But 91 Mobiles, uh, interestingly, they've claimed that it could come with a 120Hz display, LCD, the Note 10, along with the Snapdragon 732G. It's starting to sound a bit like the X3 NFC, but it's a bit similar to that. Uh, and it'll have a 64 megapixel quad camera setup and a 5,000 mAh battery, which is interesting. And that, again, this is what they're claiming. And there's not much about the Pro, weirdly enough. Uh, nothing mentioned about the Pro, which is which is weird. Um, but possibly, um, you know, uh, that could be way faster than the current Note 10. So. I mean, I'm honestly, if you ask me, I'm genuinely excited uh, from the looks of it. Uh, obviously, right now this is just this is just for the Indian market. Oh, um, you know, I mean, the and who knows? Maybe there could be a five G version. You never know. I mean, they, as I said, we don't know much about the Redmi Note Ten. Not many leaks have come out, which is surprising. Uh, so um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, if if um, I mean, uh, can't wait to can't wait to see what about what's about tomorrow. You know, um, I mean, uh, I, I I mean, hopefully you'll be hopefully it'll be as good as as it'll be better than the uh, Note Nine, from the looks of it. That could be exciting, in and of it. So so that so that's the Redmi Note Ten and Note Ten Pro. It's gonna come. It's gonna be shown off tomorrow. It's gonna be revealed tomorrow, which is interesting. So we'll see what we'll see we'll see what happens tomorrow. Hopefully, it is a worthy upgrade. And uh, maybe it could be it could be something special compared to say the Poco phones. The Poco X3 NFC is what I'm looking to get if I probably had the money right now. That that's a really solid phone for what it is for at at at, at the price that it that it is. So uh, yeah, uh, something to take note of. I've kind of quickly forgot to mention that uh, the the Redmi Note 10 series like the, this is the reveal for for the Indian market again. Uh, it'll probably, it'll hopefully come out world globally later on because um, you know it's such a hot selling phone. But speaking of Redmi, I mean, and quite another piece of another noteworthy phone to talk about. Haha, <laughs> the the Redmi K40 now uh, obviously uh, Xiaomi's VP really Liu Weibing has now uh, confirmed on Weibo that the Redmi K40 will come out on February 25th. They'll show off the Redmi K40 on February 25th. 
And as I said, a lot has been revealed about the K40. They've been teasing it up big time. Um, a lot of details, really. So the Redmi K, just to recap, really, Redmi K40 uh, will come, I think all the phones possibly, uh, will come with the Snapdragon 888, uh, have an incredibly wide flat screen. So that could be means the phones are big. Uh, have and have a battery capacity bigger than 4,000 milliamp, uh, milliamp per hour, MAH. And the base K40, the base Redmi K40, uh, could start at under $500, which is about 2,999 yuan RMB. So under 3,000 starting for the, for the base spec. From there, it'll go up in price, but really uh, under $500, uh, which is interesting. Uh, and all three phones will probably do 5G. I mean, if you're in China already and you're in mainland China, uh, there are a lot of affordable phones at 5G, so that's not really, this is nothing, uh, it's not shocking really, it's it's expected. you got to have 5G on a lot of phones, you know. You could pick up 5G signals, you might as well get a cheap 5G phone. Xiaomi itself has been selling lots of affordable 5G phones um, from the looks of it. But uh, again, uh, along with the fact that the phone's going to be released on February 25th, hopefully, uh, they're promising it'll be different this time from, say, the K30, which is interesting nonetheless. So, I mean, what do I think? I mean, the K40, I mean, let's see. Uh, Redmi Note 10 and the K and, and the Redmi K40, if they're really good, if they do come out to be really good phones, I definitely may think of actually spending money on getting them. Uh, because, again, I'm such a uh, fan, me fanboy and such a Redmi fanboy. I mean... I got an affinity showing me, frankly, and the God, this makes such good products. As I've early, I've speaked endlessly. I think you'll probably hear nothing from me but praises, you know. So, uh, so uh, pretty interesting times to say the least. But pretty, again, and also Redmi is growing ridiculously. I mean, they're red first of all, so they're lucky to grow this much. If you know what I'm, if you know what I'm talking about. So, interesting times to say the least. Qualcomm has showed off a new modem, ladies and gentlemen. This is phenomenal stuff. Like the Snapdragon X sixty-five. This is again connectivity to the next level. Again, uh, as I said, well, now I'll just tell you one th one one incredible thing about the Snapdragon X sixty-five modem. Um, see, it could do a theoretical. It has a theoretical download speed. Uh, and, and and as I said, I've, I've talked about modem, network modems. I think on the last episode or two, we talked about uh, 5G modems on phones and stuff, like in the last couple of episodes. And I will warn you and say that the speeds I'm going to tell you here are theoretical, and obviously in real world, it might be way lower or way higher than this, so your mileage may vary. But one sentence, 10 gigabits per second. 10 gigabit. Right now, uh, this is on, Mac Pros have it, I believe, and some professional computers and video editing rigs have 10 gig, 10 gigabit per second connect, uh, throughputs so they can transfer ultra-heavy video files. Think about it. You can literally take a raw 4K video file, blast it over the internet, and bring it to, and take it and send it to someone on, on a computer. And that's how fast 10 gigabits per second is. This is how fast, theoretically, in a ideal scenario with the best equipment and you know and good connectivity and best practices and all that good stuff theoretically in a perfect world 
This is how fast the Snapdragon X65 can get through millimeter wave or sub six gigahertz. Um, and this is interesting because uh, this is the first modem that Snapdragon, uh, that, sorry, Qualcomm have released that can do the spec uh, called 5G release 16. And um, and uh, release 5G release 16 is the, again, is thanks obviously to the 3G uh, PP, which is the main sort of body that creates the wireless uh, cellular network technology that we know of, like 4G and 3G and now 5G. Release 16 improves performance, efficiency, reliability of 5G. New radio, multi-input, multi-output design. In order to address new vertical use cases, such so as factory automation, Release 16 is enhancing the 5G URLLC foundation to deliver even better link reliability again very long networking jargon but essentially uh essentially you know uh, they i mean they're they're fixing things where you know like uh again improving things where needed or necessary you could say uh from the looks of it um let's just see what what does exactly mention what is the game plan uh but uh again the x65 is the first chip that will offer uh, essentially that will use this spec uh, from 3GPP, and again, bunch of high, interesting highlights. Um, you, you get in you get more efficiency for 5G. It can tap into unlicensed spectrum, so to handle like high demand networks. Um, it can do industrial IoT at the gate, ultra reliable and low latency communication enhanced or improved version of 5G tech that's already there. In a nutshell, a vehicle to you know uh, you know vehicle to a bunch of things phase three apparently again this, is, this improves on what 5g is capable can be capable of and in, weirdly enough uh satellite access in 5g i don't know what that means oh wait i gotta realize something you know how satellites can tap into ca c band and ka band and how like if satellites in the low earth orbit satellites can sort of blast 5g signals and now they can do that so if you really wanted and you know again if you really wanted now you can have 5g blasting from a satellite this could like this would be this would deliver tremendous reception now it's early days um this sounds like a sounds a bit like a imagine like someone's imagination 5g via satellite that could change that could change everything who knows that could be a good com competitor to starlink or those other or OneWeb or those services that exist, uh, but that's there's there's apparently there's there's work going on now. There's serious research, and 3GPP have obviously slapped it into the standard that they, there could be satellite via sorry there could be 5G via satellite. This could change everything really if you think about it. But um, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I think it could improve. I think it can improve reception issues if you know what I mean. It could it could improve reception. Uh, in terms of like you know for for millimeter wave 5g service because that runs on ka band in those much higher frequencies and that would fix a lot of the oh well uh, there's a, i'm sure they're working in the lab right now this could be a thing in the next 10 years i'm definitely excited that could change everything really if you think about it but on top of all that uh this is a cellular chip that can do that is built on a four nanometer uh, fabrication can do 
uh, millimeter wave and sub six aggregation. So it could pick up bands from two reception channels and then combine and get internet right there in real time. You can do two X two multi input, multi output millimeter wave, four by four multi input, multi output sub sub six gigahertz. And again, it can tap into even more 5G bands than ever. Three extra, by the way. So it, it goes much further above and beyond. Uh, on top of that, it has, uh, again, it has AI enhanced signal boost, which is really good. And now uh, this modem can do multi-SIM 5G support. So multiple SIMs can do 5G. This is interesting, to say the least. And also, there's a new antenna to go with the X65 modem. This is for phones where uh, you want millimeter, where you want the fastest available 5G connectivity, and you're not going to settle for the built-in 5G on, on, say, the triple eight or something lower than that. So, or the 732G, if that's even a thing. Uh, you know, you don't want to settle for that. You can use a standalone chip. Again, um, as I said. Uh, this will this modem can go onto phones, tablets, uh, laptops, and hotspot devices and MiFi's, uh, and it, again, it can, and it would sort of work for wireless access for those private and industrial 5G networks that are there. On top of the obviously cellular networks that are already there, it's impressive. Honestly, what do I think of it now? This chip won't really come out straight away this year. I mean, it's going to come in the coming year. Phone, a lot of phones and devices will come with this chip in in the in the next year or so. So it's interesting to see such bleeding edge technology right over here. So pretty pretty exciting stuff. I mean, uh, ten gigabits per second is impressive. If you have private five, if you have a private five G network like a bunch of antennas with millimeter wave like reception, like twenty four gigahertz, like uh, you're running a twenty four gigahertz network in your own little office or I don't know backyard and you just send transfer a video file onto a computer, like you, you could reach those speeds theoretically with the best equipment out there. I'm just saying. So that speed, theoretical speed has really made me excited. I mean, that's that's for sure. So I decided to just bring electric cars like to the front, sort of to the front, sort of because uh, EVs are becoming a thing. But Audi has just uh, released this really cool new electric car. Well, it's not really, I mean, it's it's shown off this new electric car that it's been working on on top of the e-tron that, that came out early before this. The Audi e-tron Gran Turismo. This is an incredible electric car. It's quite sporty, obviously, in terms of, uh, in terms of performance. I mean, uh, this is Audi's second e proper EV that they've had. There was the original e-tron, and then there was before it the uh, R8 e-tron that that did that was like I think a million euros, uh, and and they did then they discontinued because very few people actually bought into the car, and so they you know, and so that car is pretty rare now from the looks of it. But this is an incredible vehicle from the looks of it. It has uh, it has a th it has a 350 kilowatt or 440 kilowatt motor uh, that uh, then allows you to drive up to 487 kilometers uh, thanks to its 85 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, this is according to WLTP range, which may, may be a little lower than this, but I mean, we'll see when this actually does come out. But this is an impressive little car for what it is. Now, straight off the bat, I'm just going to say this. 
for technical for those who want to be a bit uh, I kind of want to be a bit technical here this is actually based off the uh, Porsche Taycan it has the same uh, motor and and I think it has the same battery motor it's the same architecture as the Porsche Taycan uh, and I think that allows it to I mean so they've but they've made it a bit more Audi driven so they've added some bits and bobs made it more aerodynamic and uh, has sporty interiors um, so you get the true sports sedan feel that's there the e-tron gt looks uh awfully like the a7 so it's a bit late more it's a bit more uh, it's more aerodynamic and um more aerodynamic to the point that this is roughly where did it go here um uh, it's roughly 0 0.7 inches lower than uh, it has a flat roof line, so roughly another 17 millimeters lower than on an A7 Sportback. Uh, so it is long, elongated, and I kind of like one of those sorts of cars, which I think is really, really cool. On top of that, uh, speaking of the body, really, you have nine and tw nine to 21 inch wheel rims, which is really cool. Uh, but really, again, it has this kind of slimline sport sedan design, uh, and it looks really nice. And so, uh, this is a really different car from, say, the Porsche Taycan in that regard. I mean, uh, Audi, you could say, has souped it up if you think about it. Uh, this has a coefficient drag of 0 0.24, which I think speaks impressively to that massive battery and, you could say, motor design that they've done. Uh, on the Now, obviously, electric cars don't need a grill because they only heat an engine, but there is a controllable... Uh, there's a there's there's one controllable cool air inlet each behind the large ribs below the headlights and behind the openings in the corners of the single frame which ensures active aerodynamics so it's to push air inwards through right into the car to kind of you know to make it more uh, to keep it to stop it from getting a bit wobbly so they now compared to the Porsche which is a bit more about elegance and minimalism you could say or kind of the iconic Porsche design. The Audi uh, e-tron GT has that aerodynamic thought out really well. So it's got the intake, it's got this, again, it got, it's got inlets, it's designed, again, more way more sporty. Um, so that's interesting, to say the least. Um, on top of that, uh, overall, you get a you get 366 liters of space inside of the car uh, rough and in the luggage compartment at the back has 405 liters of overall capacity and uh, and obviously the front has 85 liters of additional space which is interesting to say the least but on top of all that is the front now this is fr now the front leds have dynamic turn signals again it has the same kind of kind of uh as this kind of unique uh, LED LED light uh, that is typical of an Audi. Uh, I mean, what can I say? I mean, it, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, and you also have a laser spot beam, which is interesting. So, so you know, th this will help with visibility overall. So it's got those it's got those lights that really are iconic of Audi, but also look quite futuristic, given that it's an EV and obviously this is a car straight from the future. Um, on top of that, uh, the inside, there's like this, it's got a regular touchscreen and a whole lot of buttons uh, on top of that. And interestingly enough, um, kind of going through the internals, 
really. I got a lot of buttons and stuff. So again, not like the Taycan where it's going for a dual touch screen kind of approach uh, and all your controls are over there. Interestingly, the sport seats come with eight-way art adjustment and artificial leather, uh, uh, Napa leather covers. And they come standard, which is interesting. But the GT, but the but there's also an uh, I kind of forgot to mention. There's the Etron GT, and then there's the RS version. The RS one has 14-way adjustment, seat heating, which is I think interesting. This is again, this is. Uh, to and this is kind of to help you but more interesting is also that this is an electric car and there's environmental then there's an environmental element of lower emissions as a car but the materials they use inside are obviously more environmentally friendly and i think this isn't something people forgot to mention uh the sports seat seating is upholstered with a combination of artificial leather uh, and cascade material or you can get with a mixture of artificial leather and microfiber material dynamica so that will help with durability will be look it's still nice looking but it's more again it's more it use recycled materials so you know saves the environment big time so um so just for context just for for environment for my eco folks uh in each cascade upholstery set there are hundred it's equivalent to 119 recycled plastic bottles just think about it just incredible but on top of that um the as i said the in terms of in terms of again in terms of the overall leather stitching in the car around the front and stuff uh, the floor carbon formats are made from Econile in both models and, and as, as, as I said, it consists of 100% recycled nylon fibers from production waste, fabric, and carpet remnants, or old fishing nets, which I think is really amazing. Obviously, you could use recycled materials, and essentially it'll help kind of save a lot of carbon dioxide straw off the bat. But um, we're not really here to talk about how great the insides look. It, it is naughty, and it looks absolutely sporty. But let's talk about the electric car itself straight in so the e-tron gt uh, has a zero to hundred of in it does zero to hundred in roughly 4.1 seconds as the rs model will do it a whole second early 3.3 seconds and the top speed of these two cars respectively are 245 kilometers per hour this is the regular gt and 250 kilometers per hour which is 250 kilometers per hour for the gt rs variant which i think is awesome the so the regular e-tron gt quattro the, there's a front electric motor that outputs 175 kilowatts of power and there's a rare mo motor so this is a dual motor vehicle and it'll do 320 kilowatts so the there's a back back motor with 320 kilowatts of power so it gives you that oomph straight as you go straight off the bat so that's really interesting uh but interestingly they keep reserves for extreme driving situations like you know getting out of sand and stuff so that's kind of interesting but overall both Car, but both motors output combined 350 kilowatts but as i said you can but the car but obviously in uh, but you can go as far as 390 kilowatts for approximately 2.5 seconds in boost mode via launch controls this is interesting you press the button and you get so much torque straight this is the beautiful part about electric cars it's not about just the touch screens and stuff it really is the instant torque you get straight away uh, so you get that kind of oomph Whereas in the RS variant, which is obviously tuned and super sporty, super sport kind, super sports car uh, mode, uh, the front motor 
175 kilowatts of power, whereas the and when the back motor, the rear motor, has 335 kilowatts. So overall, you get 440 kilowatts, but maximum. Uh, but and over total torque is 830 uh, newton meters of torque, which is interesting. And also, there's boost mode in the RS2, and that goes up to 475 kilowatts. This is some incredible performance. Again, the RS e-tron GT can go up to 440 kilowatts. So that's in so much power right there. And that no wonder it can go from 0 to 100 in 3.3 seconds. So that's freaking amazing. So as a result, with dual motors, you get all-wheel drive. Uh, and as I said, being electric and, as I said, with a lot of computing power, essentially, it can just, uh, it can obviously go flying. Um, but interestingly enough, so it's got hydraulic brakes uh, from the looks of it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but more than that, uh, it has, uh, if you're wondering about regenerative braking, uh, there, it claims you could recuperate up to 265 kilowatts of power, uh, again, because of the hydraulic wheel brakes. So, um, I mean, uh, the electric motor, while braking electric motors perform decelerations alone up to around three, 0.3 G. So that's basically the most the most majority of brake applications. So it seems like Audi has done its work. I'm no car expert really in this regard, uh, but it is quite interesting what you have here. But more than everything, um, where where is it? Um, another interesting fact is that as standard on the e-tron GT, you have a heat pump and that helps to heat the entire interior, and that's from the waste heat of the high voltage components. Uh, and can reduce the loss of range caused by climate control significantly, especially in winter when it places the thermoelectric heating elements. So that, that I think that's a big, big deal. And yes, there are four separate cooling circuits that help to heat up the high voltage com component components and interiors, each at its own temperature level. So this is interesting. So there is like a heat pump that keeps the engines uh, keep suddenly keeps the motors nice and hot to help it drive incredibly fast. Um, but more than everything, um, you're, you're all wondering about the battery because I think more than everything is the range anxiety problem. Uh, but obviously the, the, the batteries uh, are operate effect effectively really. They are at a feel-good temperature of between 30 and 35 degrees Celsius. Uh, on top of that, the, ba the battery is roughly 93 kilowatts gross, but it's exact. But you get 85 kilowatts of net energy in both models as it is at the gate. It's not. It's not any higher than this, unfortunately. But hey, you got to do with that. Interestingly, uh, and the and uh, the overall car's voltage as it is is 800 volts. Uh, so this means you need like less wiring because you can blast more current. You could say, um, and that means. And uh, on top of that, so as I said, the car has a low center of gravity, and that means that the car, essentially, between the front and rear axle, it is almost level, so it's 50-50. So, again, your car won't go spinning around. But interestingly, the Audi e-tron GT uh, has a, both variants have a 85 kilowatt hour battery. That's roughly 93 kilowatt gross, but in reality, it has exactly 85 kilowatt, kilowatt hour of capacity that's even a thing to say and that means and uh, again it, it it is in this quite rigid structure that sits right under the under the seating uh, and uh, and overall 
it has 800 volts of continuous output i don't know if i'm repeating myself oh well um it's quite interesting to say the least um and i mean and you have a heat pump essentially that's that's included that keeps the engine the motors warm and stuff uh now as for charging which i think is an important feature uh and and, and range because range anxiety is real uh the e-tron gt uh, has a range of roughly 487 kilometers and the RS variant has 472 kilometers of range uh, so it is pretty impressive for what it is um, and overall the regular uh, GT consumes about 19.6 to 18.8 kilowatt hours of battery and this is on the NEDC range cycle or the measurement wise so in real life it may be very different and the RS variant uh, consumes between 20.2 to 19.3 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers on average again this is on the specific specification in real life it may vary maybe a little lower than this given what's happened with the Taycan uh, more than interestingly uh, you could and this car could be charged up uh, using an 11 kilowatt AC charger uh, but you can go all the way up to a DC 270 kilowatt charger uh, which lets you get 100 kilometers of charge in just five minutes um, with the right conditions really if you think about it I mean you, you plug into the charger half an hour later you get a bit more range back um, and as and as I said um, if you and interestingly enough um, if you buy the car now you already covers the basic rate for the basic fees really for charging and so you know that you, you get some free charging if you if you will um, obviously this won't match Tesla supercharging but it's the next best thing to it if you think about it oh and the e-tron GT has like charger 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 plugs on both sides of the car so one for AC chargers and one for DC so and the DC is on the right hand side that the fast, so fast charging on the right overnight charging on the left you get the point so that's interesting um, and obviously you can control the entire car from the app which is also interesting as I said this is this is Audi's answer to the Tesla Model S if you almost think about it in that manner uh, so that's quite interesting and in terms of suspension I've kind of gone through the entire details but yeah uh, but interestingly uh, you can get all-wheel all steering as an option so that helps with incredible sports performance um, so and a spindle drive turns real wheels to a, by a maximum of 2.8 degrees here in the opposite direction so that keeps the car nice and solid um, and as I already mentioned you get like 21 inch wheels and brakes um, 21 inch wheels and 420 millimeters of kind of like brake performance like in the front axle so that's interesting and you get adaptive air suspension uh, which is roughly three chambers and goes from like 22 mill it has a range of 22 millimeters downwards and 20 meters upwards in terms of suspension and again it is controlled electronically which is interesting uh, and you get and uh, you get rear axle differential lock uh, which is interesting and you get driver assist there's no mention of autonomous driving which is I don't know you really don't need it really at the moment so that's that um if you think about it and uh, there's alexa in it if you're if you're into that stuff i mean uh, oh and and the audio system is more interesting it has a bang and olfelsen uh, surround sound system uh, outputs 710 watts of power 16 loudspeakers with two 3d loudspeakers in the a pillars which is kind of interesting 
So, you know, so if you think about it in terms of like, uh, you know, like th- this is quite a fascinating sedan, sports sedan from Audi. Again, this is their answer as a Model S from Tesla, if you think about it in that regard, in that manner. Uh, and this apparently, fun fact, this is the first car that was made by a physical prototype, which speaks to how quickly they got this car out from, from drawing to real life. Um, you know, this is incredible. And again, they have, honestly, on top of creating a crazy answer to the Tesla Model S, they've like bragged about the environmental kind of perks, you know, like recycled, stitched, recycled, using stitched, recycled fabric, stitching, the stitching has recycled fabrics, you know, the recycled aluminium, the fact that the plant over there is literally powered on biogas, so that cuts out carbon emissions, and then you drive the car itself, and that brings in carb, brings down carbon emissions itself. So it's just such a fascinating vehicle, to say the least. I mean, I I think I've spent like ten to twenty minutes on this car, which is it's quite fascinating. I mean, uh, again, I mean uh, there are not many electric sedans out there aside from the Taycan and stuff that is worth buying really. Uh, so it's quite a fascinating product. Uh, now you're wondering how much it will cost in the United States. The Etron GT will start from $99,900 for the base tier, base spec, and goes all the way up to $139,900 for the RS variant, the really ultra-fast RS variant, uh, which is interesting. And then the Taycan, obviously, which I referred to over and over and over again, it costs just as much as the Etron GT. Obviously, with incentives, it'll go lower in price. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, if you think about it, this is quite a fascinating car uh i mean there's uh i mean such a sporty electric sports car you know to say the least because you know we've not seen such a car before if if you ask me so you know i mean honestly for me i think one thing that i would say coming out of the seeing this e-tron gt is it's quite sporty it's way more it's quite aggressive and sporty uh really compared to the to the to the porsche taycan I mean the fact that it maintained the same bat and it maintained the same motors and batteries as the Taycan is both. I don't know whether I should be happy or sad. I don't know. I mean, uh, we'll have. I mean, if we get to drive the car, we'll see for ourselves if it is worth the hype. Really, I mean, um, I mean, this is for serious petrol heads, like for 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 adrenal for adrenaline lovers who want to go electric also. We still want a sports car, really, a true sports car. I don't want a minimalist self-driving machine like Tesla's. So this is a good product for them, and at at such a price, it's. I mean, in in play. I mean, honestly, if if the, if the Porsche Taycan is not really available, you can. And this is worth buying, really. And for me, the range is really off-putting. Like at this price, and given that this is called a GT, I'd expected more. I I really expected like five hundred kilometers of standard given this is a GT car. But we'll see. Hopefully they will bring it in the next variant of the e-tron GT. It's such an exciting car to talk about. So there you have it. I mean, more EVs. I mean, more, I mean, saves the environment and also is still a fun zippy car, if you think about it. So yeah, I mean, uh, now I look at the overall time. It's about to be almost an hour recording it. It's been many hours recording this, so I think I spent way too much time on the e-tron GT. It's such an interesting car, but also uh, a lot of the things we've talked about have been interesting. There are extra stuff I wanted to talk about. I'll just drop a little bonus episode after this, uh, and it'll be really, really quick. 
and uh, I'll probably and it'll be uploaded later on. But uh, what do you think of everything I've heard today? Let me know uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Saint underscore Mountain Nine Nine. Follow me there if you can. And uh, yeah, to tell your friends, share this to your friends and family. Tell your friends and family to to listen to my show, subscribe, and everything, all that good stuff. Uh, spread the word that uh, your boy always talks about tech and phones and electric cars. It's it's quite it's it's a lot of work, and I uh, really appreciate if you share uh, this and and as I said, get everyone to like subscribe and sort of uh, listen frequently. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean. Um, uh, it's what do I say really? I mean, till Tuesday. That's it. This is this was the episode really. Uh, till Thursday. This is your boy on signing up. Uh, take care. Stay safe. If you can live, stay at home. Uh, have a great day. And I'll see you on Thursday. Hopefully, it's literally like tomorrow, the next day or so. Right. Uh, and enjoy the bonus episode after this because again we ran out of time. We really ran out of literal time to cover other things too. Again, the car is interesting, and so are the other phones and stuff. But yeah. Uh, this has been it. It's your boy signing out. Uh, peace. And uh, I hope you have a great day, okay? Thanks for listening. Ciao.